Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, it's Josh, and we're back with another season of the movies that made me. As ever, we have got a Patreon. If you want to uh, help support the uh, continued production of the show, you can sign up for that. It's patreon.com, the movies that made me about once a month or so. We provide exclusive content, uh, mailbags with me and Joe, exclusive conversations with filmmakers uh, that you won't hear on this show, and other cool stuff and more to come this year. We're really excited to present you with this episode because uh, a thing happened this week that we have long dreaded happening, um, and it went the exact opposite direction. Um, I'm being oblique. Uh, our guest is returning champ Issa Lopez, who is in the midst of a whirlwind of PR attended with her new project, which if you don't know about, you will hear about shortly. And she did not get the message in time. Just found out she was going to be on the show, did not have time to put together a list. And uh, Joe and I live in fear of that happening. Except in this case, it turned out great, and we had a fantastic conversation with her about some of the crime films that influenced uh, her new project, True Detective Night Country. So here it is, uh, our conversation with the one and only Issa Lopez. This is The Movies That Made Me, with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. so flying by the seat of our pants. I mean, it's just, I'm so sorry, but um, I didn't get the notice until I opened right now the link in the calendar, which makes, it's silly of me oh because no. I know your podcast. I should oh, just, have known. Just start, start with Tigers Are Not Afraid. That's, <laughs> That's one. That's one. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah. Well, yeah. Do you want to do, what, what, what are you, do you want to do crime movies? Well, I think like it, it feels like thing. appropriate, right? And honestly, it's, this is going to be very obvious, but the two that I'm thinking to start with, one is, <clears throat> Silence of the Lambs, because, yeah, because I will explain why, because there is a genealogy of True Detective that starts with silence. Then the second one is Seven, obviously. These are- I can't imagine. What is the connecting thread there? It's very, I don't know. Um, I, I'm sure I'll tell you, I'll tell you in the show, but it's I'm so kidding. obvious. You'll see, you'll see. The second one is seven. Oh, no, we are the, this is the show. Uh, <laughs> this is the show. <laughs> I was making a joke. <laughs> this is the show. We're, we're this all is the show. Okay, fine. We should introduce. <laughs> um, we, should, we should introduce. No, I think this is great. We should introduce Issa Lopez, uh, who is working on <laughs> yes. uh, true, uh, the fourth season of uh, True. Well, no, hang on. This is a ter- no, no, no. Start, start, start over. Start over. Start over. That's a terrible introduction because we we had Issa first came on our show a couple of years ago because we were both huge fans of her film Tigers Are Not Afraid, and um, uh, I like to think Issa, you can back me up here that were it not for our show, none of this would be happening. Absolutely, of no, no, no. It was because of the show. <laughs> you, got, you got the movies that made me bump. Exactly. HBO, but, HBO listened to that yeah. and they were like, this is the person. That's how it happened. <laughs> let's get her, let's get her serious. 
Well, I, I was so knocked out when I heard it because I, I, you were, you've been such a great guest, and you came back from one of our pandemic parades. Yeah. And you know, I love your work. Joe loves your work. And then I saw that you were doing this, and it's like it so rarely works out this way, you know, especially in our business. Sorry, still today for women. Yeah. Um, the fact that uh, Issa, we have here the showrunner. She's written and directed every episode of the new season of True Detective. Sorry, Jodie Foster, Night Country is the title. Uh, can't can't wait. We've not seen it yet, but um, we uh, we can't wait to see it. Uh, but it's also like perfect because she's great. I know we'll be all right. We found out right before the show started that she hadn't had time to come up with a list. <laughs> I'm sitting here with my kid. My kid's got a cold. He's losing his mind in the background. Um, <laughs> and and I don't know what what else is going wrong. It's just, just a slice this of is going to be a great. So, so first, you can start off. You can tell us how was Iceland. Yeah, Iceland was you know talking about crime um, because we were considering the idea of talking about crime movies, which um, narrows nothing for me. There's so many amazing ones. But uh, but the, the, the Icelanders are um, absolutely obsessed with Scandinoir. And um, I love Iceland. It's, it's, it's a country where 10% of the population has published a book. And when I read that, <laughs> no, I read that on the plane, you know, in the, in the thingy. And I was like, that is not true. Or it's vanity publishing. So I got there and as a, and as a test as, as for fun in every dinner that I went was like, okay, so how many of you have published a book? I kid you know, guys, there was always one person, sometimes two, sometimes three. And they I would well like, okay, show me your book. And, uh, or, you know, either on their phones or if we were at their home and they would bring the book and it was serious books that were sold in bookstores and they were published by serious publishers there. There's an explanation. Number one, Scandinavians do things really well. Number two, <laughs> it's, um, you know, the, the winter is long, which is um, one of the massive themes of, of the series. And it's dark. And, uh, and until very recently, uh, Iceland had only one channel of TV. And, uh, and so people oh. read a lot. And uh, what is worrisome is that um, there is something about the northern um, countries and their connection to murder <laughs> that they're passionate about writing about murders. And even the the, the prime minister in Iceland, a woman, because that's the other thing, is an incredibly equalitarian country for women. Um, the 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 prime minister has just published her her own murder mystery. So it's a it's a national pastime and the perfect place to shoot the murder mystery. I loved it. So the, so the whole show is a night shoot, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, you have a winter in, in Iceland, oh. uh, which is right, most of the country is right below the Arctic Circle and the, the northern tip above the Arctic Circle. So you get, um, at the shortest, you get days that you that are, the sun is above the horizon for three hours and 45 minutes. And, um, um, it doesn't rise until nine or something in the in the morning, and uh, which is very healthy for a series that takes place in the in the long winter night in Alaska, because we needed a night, um, and uh, and uh, so we we could start shooting our nights at three p.m., which was excellent. Um, but it uh, we were also concerned about how was a long night going to affect us. And uh, we don't belong, we're Mexican, 
what the hell do I have to be doing spending 10 (laughs) months in that environment? And, uh, and you know what? I talked a lot to Icelanders and a lot to Inuit people that were working with us in the series as in front and behind the camera. And, um, and both of them and, and the Greenlandic too, and all of them were saying, no, you know, I think that your conception of the, of the long winter night is, is, biased by your tropical nature i guess because uh because it's an opportunity to to get cozy and go indoors and uh and uh, create and be with your people and uh, which is great when your people are not completely insane which happens in mexico thank god we don't have the long night but uh but it is true so that happened with the crew and we became a family that came together to create stuff so yes we were out shooting in the night and in there we, we had a couple of nights that we were minus 10 degrees i think and uh and it gets it gets challenging and forget about the temps the wind in iceland uh they have to close the roads because the the wind can blow trucks and cars off the road um but uh still uh, we all love the story and we love the scripts and 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 the cast was incredible they dig the the fact that they could use the cold to act cold you know very quickly you realize well, well, yeah, that sure. performing cold is hard acting cold is a complicated thing to achieve so they were delighted right. that they, that they could see their breath when they were you know digging frozen bodies from the ice so uh it was a joy i would never do that again Ever. Awesome. But- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, they have murders in the Bahamas, too. Yeah. You know yes, that. yes. Uh, I worked on a movie with Simon Winsor, the director of like The Phantom and Lonesome uh-huh. Dove a long time ago. And he had done something uh, where he worked with a lot of Inuit people. And um, he said, and this was probably 30 years ago that he did, so I suspect it may have changed. But he said the one thing that they all had in common when he visited them is they all had a copy of the movie Quest for Fire on video. <laughs> That's so no. <laughs> and he he finally he he had to ask. He was like, "What is going on here? Why does everybody have this one movie?" So I don't remember movie. It's it's a great it's a caveman movie. It's about cavemen and um, uh, who's it? Ron Perlman yeah. and uh, Radon Chong. It was and- Ron Perlman. That's the first time I saw him ages ago. True. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, he's been around, and um, uh, I think it was Anthony Burgess created a kind of caveman language for them because they did the entire film in this kind of caveman yeah. language with subtitles. <laughs> but when it came, yeah, with subtitles, when it came to uh-huh. do crowd scenes, uh-huh. uh, they didn't want to have to teach all the extras this language, so they hired Inuits to do the walla, the background sound. So they bring in all these Inuits to just talk in the background because there aren't very many of them. <laughs> So it's very unlikely that you know most of the audience is not going to recognize That's it. That's so and so ex- all these strange. kind of Inuit voice artists came in, and they're all telling dirty jokes. <laughs> of course they are. Of course they are. So if the, you're uh, watching Quest for Fire and you're Inuit, you're watching this movie that also there's a crowd scene and people are starting to tell obscene jokes in the background. Of course they are. They're so you know one thing I, I learned about the Inuit and the Inupiaq. I was working specifically with the Inupiaq very quickly. Is their sense of humor, and they're great at insults. Um, the, I have a scene oh, really? where 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 an, an an elder is just 
yelling shit at at um, Joey Foster, who loved it. And uh, because Jolly can be, you know, she her character in the series, she's an absolute asshole. And and Jolly killed it. She's the nicest person in the world, but oh man, can she play an asshole? And uh, and uh, so she was terrible. And this woman who is like this eighty year old auntie starts screaming at her in Inupiaq, and uh, and it sounded horrible. So at some point we cut. We're trying not to laugh out loud. And uh, and then we cut, and we were you know we're like, well, um, what was that? And she would say, oh, that was. And then she would tell us this, this, and you have the face of a dog turd. And I'm like that's that's great, thank you. <laughs> so no, they they're very funny, and and it you know one of the most difficult things is it's a very dark um, endeavor the the theme of the series, but uh, but you know the they knew it together with immediately start laughing immediately i know that they were already in the premises because the 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 laughter was was huge they're they're riot that's great um well let's let's figure this out because we're gonna do <laughs> shall we do crime movies let's figure out some crime, I think crime movies, movies <laughs> is, is a fantastic idea and i and i wrote immediately I think it's, it's middle, and um yeah i mean i'm kidding i understand exactly what the connection with <laughs> when Silence of the Lambs is, I, in fact, I was going to, once I heard your words, uh, uh, hadn't had a chance to, to get ready yet. I was like, well, we can ask her about her favorite Jodie Foster movies. So, um, I already answered that. No, yes, yeah, let's do that. Those, those yeah. two are, those two are, are easy and obvious. And I'll tell you why. Because when I got the call from HBO saying, what would you do with True Detective? I have many ideas, you know, the first one is I would bring back um, that element of the supernatural that I really loved in that first season. Mm. And I missed in the other two, Um, obviously because me, but, um, but then I, I sat down and I rewatched that first season of True Detective. I I only saw when it came, uh, when it came out and I saw it weekly, like the rest of the world. And I really liked it. And then, you know, it was very well received, but in the, following years and it's going to be the 10th anniversary almost to the day um from the the time we drop or or premiere and um it's interesting because it achieved a cult status the series you know it it started it was really well received and slowly now it's there was a a conversation on the internet a couple of days ago and the question was what is the best series tv series ever made and true detective was uh kind of above Sopranos and The Wire and all of those, which, you know, it's, it's, oh. it's beloved, which makes me question my sanity first season, yeah. in taking this job. Because, <laughs> you know, what was I thinking? <laughs> but uh, like, yeah, sure, I can do it. Just send it my way. Wait, you know, Mexicans will always tell you, oh, sure, no, I can do it. You know, this is how you do it. Let <laughs> me explain to you. Um, but um, the thing is, I sat down and I watched it again with the understanding that it, that I had to replicate the emotion, not the series, what it created, you know, that nerve that it touched. And, um, and I, you know, it, it's so atmospheric and, and the environment is a character in itself. The Arctic did a great job of becoming a character in, in, in my version. But what immediately hit me is, and it, I didn't feel that the first time I saw it, is how similar it is to Seven. And I don't know if mm, Nick Pisolato, yeah. who wrote it, was doing that um, um, consciously 
or because we watch these movies yeah. and they're formative, you know, or if it was, yeah. it has yeah. happened to me yeah. many times that I don't realize that I'm making that movie, but you are. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't know if it was conscious or not, but definitely, and this is a good thing. I'm saying this uh, as a positive thing because Seven is masterful. So after watching the first season of True Detective, I sat down to watch Seven immediately, which I hadn't seen in ages too. It's, it's incredible because I love that movie, but I hadn't seen it since it came out in, what was 1992, maybe? And uh, no, 90, I think it was 95. I don't know. 90s and uh and god i loved it this second this second viewing you know it has survived so well um and 95 yeah no it's 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 just so good you know you you know it's i think it's my favorite fincher and that's that's a call you know because he has a couple of really not shitty movies um and (laughs) you know um, but, uh, but this one is just outstanding and, uh, and such a little perfect machine and the script is, and the characters are so good and how slowly yeah. you get to know them, um, how different they are and how they come together and, and the, the enigma that is the killer at the end that we never completely understand. And, and that beautiful twist, right? The box. But the atmosphere and, and, and they we're living in this world that is broken and corrupt and there's nothing we can do because it will eat us is what true detective is. Absolutely. And, um, and this feeling of something very corrupt happening behind the scenes of, of the parts of society we don't want to look at, which all of the things that helped me for Night Country. But then looking at it, I was... Let me, I want, yes. Quick question, because you, you sort of brought up the way these things influence and become part of us. Have have you ever had the moment? I've done it with stuff I've written every now and then. I did it with a, the one little movie I directed. Have you ever had a moment where you go back and and see something of yours or read something of yours, and you go, "Oh my god, I stole that directly from." Yeah, yeah. Let me without. Think. Yeah, it happened in Tigers. <laughs> without knowing it. Yeah, it happened in Tigers. Shamelessly, you know the. Yeah. And and you know I'm 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 very close to Del Toro, uh, but. Uh, but but it was it, I didn't realize it. I swear to God, when I I, I I started writing it, and I was like, "Oh, Guillermo del Toro would dig this." I I didn't know the man, but I was like, "He would dig this for sure." And I'm writing the script, right? And I'm because you know it's it's a, it's like a darker version of of a Pan's Labyrinth. But I hadn't seen Pan's Labyrinth again in a really really long time. And then when the movie started to really happen, I, I was like, I, "I should give a look to to." Uh, and I sat down and watched it and I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, <laughs> damn. Um, you know, the little girl has um, a piece of chalk she draws a door with. And mm-hmm. my girl has a, a, a piece of chalk that she stops the. She has a piece of chalk that uh, her teacher gives her at the beginning of the movie and she stops ghosts right. with it. So it's not the same, but come on. Um, and Guillermo was never you, you mad at Guillermo me. was just sitting there the whole time. <laughs> yeah, and we, was he's he not, just waiting the whole time. For I don't know. To say I don't know. <laughs> I mean, now I never discussed it, but uh, but he saw it sitting next to me in 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 Toronto, and he was like yeah. very happy. Said nothing, and then but then there's also a scene in that movie that I copied straight out, very aware from Crimson Peak, which is I think is a criminally underrated movie. Um, at the very beginning, the, the girl is visited by the ghost of her mother. And I just, you know, I copied the, 
but very consciously of it's an homage is what it's called. But then there's so much that you don't realize <laughs> you're doing, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways, w- watching yeah. Seven, I it reminded me of you know there's no Seven without the Silence of the Lambs. Simply like they're they're so they're very close in time and they're deeply related, you know. And uh, and so the the genealogy for me is Silence of the Lambs begets Seven begets true detective and i'm their child so i watch silence of the lambs immediately which still holds it's just how to you know it's just such a sinister perfect it does so many things that we had never seen before in cinema no starting with that incredible montage that blew our minds of no, 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 you just broke all the rules and played with my heart because I thought you were coming to rescue her and you're in a completely different location. It was insane that it took the very <laughs> rules of grammar, of cinema grammar, yeah. and fucked us yeah. over with it. It's so good. Cheated. It's a complete cheat. It's a complete like, cheat. You should have gotten a yeah. ticket for that. And then you cannot do it after <laughs> because after that is like, oh, you did the silence of the lands right there, you know? Yeah. So, um... It was such a beautiful movie. And uh, and also, it's the first time that I remember feeling that horrendous sense of the sinister and the dirtiness of, of, of this world of killers right beneath our noses and, and, and this killer that knows how it operates, where one killer can put a head in a jar, in a car, in a warehouse, and that will lead us to the other guy that is putting women in a hole and you go like, there's this underworld, there's their system and they know about each other, which is so, so dark. And, uh, and, and that's, which is completely embraced by seven and completely embraced by true detective. So I'm watching silence of the lambs and I go, you know, who would be good in in true detective? (laughs) 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 That girl. And uh, and that's how I thought of Jodie Foster to be in in uh, Night Country because of instead of running away from from your past, embrace it. Right. Yeah. 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 Own it. The um. Uh, I'm wondering though, do you have a? Because I'm a gigantic fan of Manhunter. Yes. Um, which which to me, of course, leads right into Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Um, I mean, and it's it's interesting because it's a it's a Michael Mann movie, and um, and for when we were watching references for the for the visual language, we didn't see Manhunter. Uh, me and my my DP Florian Hofmeister uh, and my production designer, but we did watch um, weirdly the informant uh, for the use of light and oh, darkness. Okay, that makes sense. But uh, yeah. but it was yeah. and so when you said crime movies was I was thinking that does the informant count because it is a crime you know sure. but yeah uh, oh, absolutely so uh, but uh, but you know if you're That's going to crime. talk noir and murders uh, Manhunter is such a, an extraordinary movie and there was a there was a remake of sorts later with um, was it called Hannibal uh, no no uh, Red Dragon was, Red was, Dragon. Uh, Red Dragon, Red Dragon. Yeah, yeah. that didn't work. But uh, but my hunter I'm, is. I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something terrible. And if neither of you want to be associated with this, <laughs> I I will cut it. But I I have always felt that if I were going to try, if I had to teach a class 
in which you explain to people just what is it that directors do? Because the interesting thing about Red Dragon is, especially for the first two thirds, it's very closely, it's almost verbatim Manhunter because it's the same source novel and there's stuff very close to it. Michael Mann made some deviations at the end, but you could watch the first two thirds of both movies and it's almost line for line. I would show Manhunter and I'd show Red Dragon. And if you don't know the difference between a director and, and <laughs> just pointing a camera and not, at a book. Exactly. And then not the yeah. It's, yeah. It's like, this is what a director does. It's, uh, yes, it's but I, I get a, why yeah. you wouldn't. I get why you wouldn't look at it for its for its visual because it's it's so very much of its time. Exactly, it's not it's, it's not such an eighties movie. If you tried to make something that looked like that today, a crime movie that looked like that today, people would probably laugh at you. But you know, you know what what Michael Mann does, which is so interesting, and he still does. I I haven't seen Ferrari, I have to say, but uh, but I did see uh, the first season of um, Tokyo Vice. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. which I liked, I have to say, but, uh, but it reeks of the eighties. I mean, it's set in, and I think it's set in the nineties, mm-hmm. but it's it, Michael Mann is, you know, he created, uh, he was part of the aesthetics that now we relate to the cool eighties, yeah. not the uncool eighties, but the cool eighties. Oh, he invented the eighties, basically. You know, <laughs> and, and Manhunter is very much in that universe. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. Maybe the, of all the times that we could have watched uh, uh, Manhunter, this is when it it could still feel very relevant and cool because it's it's right with the zeitgeist of of that cool of of the era. Yeah. But it's interesting that you you still you went with Man and went with the informant, which really is a uh, um, sorry the insider. The insider. Uh, I'm um, sorry. Yes. Yeah. It it really uh, it does. It looks more like a crime film today yeah it it has this this absolute noir um look you know which is interesting because it is a crime movie but it's not that type of who done it or 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 gum show and and dame situation but it it has the same atmosphere yeah uh which makes me want michael mann to do a noir you know i would i mean heat is Why won't he make the movies we want him oh, to yeah, make? I, everyone, everyone, like nobody's asking us what movies they should be making. I know. <laughs> well, he's going to do Heat too, so so let's see how uh, that well, works. Yeah. That might be a good or idea. Or is it Heat? It's Heat Zero or something. Is it the prequel? Am I am I wrong? I think you see that prequel? prequel? Yeah, he wrote the book, right? He published it last year. I think it's a prequel. You're right, and he's going to do it with um, Adam Driver because uh, it's the actor that everybody brings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Um, so wait, so there was a second crime movie you said that you? Yeah, well, the the, the second is Silence of the Lambs. The first one is Seven. Then there's Silence of the Lambs. Oh, so oh, okay. So we've used up your list. So we no, have to well, no, no. But thinking of the movies we watch for visual references, um, you know, there's another crime movie. It's, again, it's not a whodunit, and it's not it's not a noir, but uh, but a reference that I use visually for Tigers, obviously. Well, um, I'm lying completely. Tigers was shot when the movie came out and I watched it and I was, you know, the correlations in certain, in certain themes of Tigers of this movie and Tigers were extraordinary. And then I used it as a visual reference for this. And a lot of filmmakers do this with this movie right now, which is, um, Sicario. 
and uh, oh, yeah, okay. villain of Sicario, and uh, and I especially that very beginning um, for me because that's the, the closest part uh, to Tigers. It's such an effective beginning of a movie that you have this SWAT team descending on on a on a safe house for a cartel, and they it's so kind of documentary documentary execution, and they go in, they kill everyone. There's bullets everywhere, and then um, then the, one of the bullets, per, you know, br- goes through a wall, and and it stinks. And when they break the wall, it's completely full uh, with bodies in bags, backed by the cartels, which is exactly how the bodies, the cartel bodies, were in tires, and uh, and this um, hidden space cramp full of bodies, which has happened in, in, in Mexico, sadly, uh, was exactly, was very similar to that basement that I had crammed full of backed bodies in, in Tigers. And, uh, you know, I think like every filmmaker, you look at that and I was like, Oh, that's it. My movie's done. It's over. It's that's my entire movie. It was not, but I found it very interesting that I had never seen in cinema that specific horror of the plastic bags over the you know rotten bodies and it and it happened in those two movies uh-huh. very closely, uh, but the way that yeah. that Sicario is shot is so effective, and uh, and so brooding and so moody and and very much again in connection with with the aesthetics that um, True Detective brought and and I felt that the casting, you know the the Josh Brolin and Benicio del Toro and mm-hmm. In a way, they could all be true detective characters. You know, you could you could take those Perfect. characters yeah, and yeah. make a make a season of True Detective, which I suspect is funny because when HBO gave me the call, I'm very damn sure that they had um, they thought, oh, they saw Tigers, and they listened to your podcast because of that. They saw Tigers, and, <laughs> and because of that, they were like, oh, she could do a true detective thing, you know, it has a little bit of the supernatural and it's very gritty. And I'm sure they thought that I was going to come back and say, okay, so it's cartel land and the border and the desert and the heat. And I was like, it's the night and the Arctic. And they were like, what? (laughs) What is this? They were very surprised. Um, Hey, we're going to just take a pause in our conversation with the great Issa Lopez and thank our sponsor, MoviesUnlimited.com. We also want to tell you about the release of their premiere first run bookazine of the Movies Unlimited Essential Guide to Star Trek Volume 1, the original series. This information-packed publication takes a comprehensive look at the TV series that launched science fiction's most enduring franchise and showcases all your favorite Star Trek episodes. Any lover of Star Trek will love this guide. It's filled with great articles, rarely seen photographs, and lots of things you did not know about the original voyages of the Starship Enterprise. So grab your copy at Barnes & Noble, books a million locations, and of course, at MoviesUnlimited.com. Buy your favorites at MoviesUnlimited.com, our sponsor. You'll find classics, imports, hard-to-find films, and of course, new releases too. The prices are great and the choices are endless. Own the titles you love and enjoy all the bonus features you just don't get elsewhere. You can also sign up to receive their monthly printed catalog with hundreds of movies at great prices. Remember, shipping is always free on qualifying orders over $50. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Thinking about two films I want to ask you about, one of which uh, we had Guillermo gone again a couple months ago, and and he went off on his love for this movie in a way that made me so happy because I, I share that love, and there's fewer and f- very few of us. But- oh, man. If I haven't seen it, it's going to be so awkward. Go. <laughs> No, 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 not at all. Are you familiar with The Counselor, the Ridley Scott film? Which one is The Counselor? Refresh it to me. Oh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, um, and here it's Michael uh, Fassbender and Cameron Diaz and Javier Bardem. I've never seen this movie. Um, tell me, tell me a little bit about it. it. Well, it's, it's one of, it's, it's one of his less well-known movies because it didn't do well. And it got completely back. bombed. It's probably one of the two or three best movies Ridley Scott's ever made. Cormac McCarthy wrote it. Um, it's, I'm going uh, to hang out uh, with just, you and just go and watch it. It sounds incredible. <laughs> so tell me a little. I think, I think it's, it's, it's incredibly dark. Uh-huh. Um, and it's, it's a movie that, you know, when I saw in theaters the first time, um, I thought it was just, uh, I'm not sure I liked it the first time, but, but it was remarkable. And then I kept going back to it and it was one of those things that he also released a director's cut, which I think is better. And as time went on, you sort of stopped going, oh, no, I actually really do like this film a lot. And, and I found a few people over the years, but it was, it was yeah, Garrow was on a little while ago talking about color noir films. Uh-huh. And he brought that up and it is so near and dear to him. And I just, I felt so validated. Oh, well, it's very I'm going dark. to, I'm it's going very, to watch very, it this week before the premiere. I promise. I, I mean, especially because it's, I'm. It's grim and hopeless as hell, but. I'm writing a next murder mystery. <laughs> and then talk so. to Guillermo about it. Yeah. Talk to him about it because yeah. he's so eloquent. About I will. I will. I will. Um, and the other one, I'm not even, I remember seeing in theaters and I remember not enjoying and i don't know whether or not it was me or the film and i want to go back but i had had huge problems and i especially you know being as you're from that part of the world are you uh uh, the denzel washington tony scott film uh, man on fire is that a movie that no well i liked was it man on fire is kind of an iconic movie in mexico because you know when you shoot in mexico Every crew worked in that movie. Yeah. And Tony Scott is beloved mm-hmm. in, in Mexico, you know? I mean, honestly, Tony Scott, is he? Okay, anybody that has worked with him that I've met, uh, not only in Mexico, like he's a beloved man. He was. Um, I didn't... Uh, I just remember the movie, it, yeah. made, it, it made Mexico look like the worst place on the planet. I thought for two yeah, hours... Yeah, but Sicario thought- did too. And then, and then I remember it ended with, uh, with a, you know, we dedicate this to the lovely people of Mexico. <laughs> I, thought, I know. Talking about I know. Just- it's funny because, because I, you know, I, as a Mexican, I can get offended. You know, when I saw Apocalypto, it's so mm-hmm. inaccurate uh, historically that it's, and I oh. was an archaeologist in my youth. Well, I, I studied archaeology and then, oh, wow. and uh, so I was like, the, the archaeologist to me was like, no, like the emoji. But uh, but the the filmmaker in me was like, this is so cool! It's so well done. Right. So um, so I, I can make a distinction between it's a fan it's a fantasy. It I is. It is. It is. Music. And it's so well yeah. executed. You know, yeah. I think it's it's Gibson's best movie by far. Um, but um, 
but the thing is, I, I can't separate the Mexican from from the 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 film lover, and and in Sicario, right. Sicario does no favors to Mexico. Yeah. I have to say, in in a, yeah. in a terrible, <laughs> terrible way, and and that part of me was like, well, maybe this is not the way to, you know, help the situation. But as a filmmaker, I was like, it's pretty damn awesome. So what are you going to do? The <laughs> uh, with. But how did you? How did you? Re- how did you react to the Wild Bunch? No, I. But you know, I. I'm always happy with with bad Mexicans in westerns. <laughs> I just. I don't know. I think it comes from. It's horrible that I'm saying that, but I. I think that comes from from you know the best the best bad Mexican in in a western, which is the ugly. Which is not even Mexican. He's Italian. Everyone, you know, in that movie. Right. But uh, yeah. but man, yeah. was that man incredible! And just made it easy for all the for all the horrible Mexicans. But it's just a tradition in westerns. <laughs> you know, I, I was just watching uh, Deadwood, which is a TV show, the other day because John John Hawks is in oh. in in our show. Right. And uh, the only the one Mexican in the show, the one Mexican in the entire three seasons or whatever it was comes running into town in his horse and he looks exactly like that Mexican in the Westerns with a, right. with a, the head of a, of a Comanche warrior that is rotting yeah. and he throws yeah. it because he wants the, risk, the, the, the money for the Comanche head. And I was like, yeah, well, great. Thank you. Gracias for that one. You know, <laughs> but it's still such a good yeah. Western, you know, I, I think you can, I, I, I'm very forgiving when, when the movie is incredible. Um, Man on Fire. Really well done. I mean, he was such a such an artisan, but uh, and he has some fantastic, fantastic action scenes. And but I felt that it was not was not my favorite of of Tony Scott. And I feel kind of terrible saying this because I'm such a. I mean, Tony Scott did The Hunger. I mean, all those you know, all those incredible movies. But Man Man on Fire is not my favorite, and it's not because I'm being uh, protective of the of of the Mexican uh, image, but I remembered I'm I'm writing um, uh, a murder mystery again, and I'm watching a lot of uh, references for that. So one that I, j- I I keep going back to. Maybe I, we even discussed this. I hope not in the last conversation we had. But I'm obsessed with this movie. Yeah. Is the Chaser, um, the Korean movie? Oh, oh, yes. Yeah, I've seen this. Yeah. Yeah. This movie, guys, is, I, I mean, listen, I'm, 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 I'm not one for remakes. I, so many times in my career, people have come with to me with, oh, we want to remake this. We want, and I go like, I'm not. I, if there is a perfect movie, don't mess with it. This is the one movie that I go, because it was never seen in the West. And, uh, and it's, it was it's not a, a theatrical perfect. Movie, so for sure, yeah. Perfect movie. So uh, let me tell you a little about the plot. There is a serial, a serial killer, of course, and uh, and in Seoul, and he's killing uh, prostitutes and um, sex workers. And uh, the hero of the movie is a horrible human being who is an ex-cop, a corrupt ex-cop. And he's running uh, a call girl business. He's the pimp. And he's, you know, he's, he's treats them, you know, even when they have a cold, you have to fucking work and he sends them out and, and this man is killing prostitutes. And, um, and then, um, the, the pimp, the hero of the movie, start realizing that all his girls are gone 
and starts making connections and real and tries the police is he's a cop an ex-cop and the police is going to do nothing because nobody cares about sex workers and so he has to try to find this guy because he's bad for his business not because he's a good human being and then you have the two main characters you have this monster of a killer and he's a monster running head to head against this very savvy ex-cop who's doing it for all the wrong reasons because he wants to keep his his call girl business alive. And so that's your anti-hero. It's such a good movie and the twists are insane. And you can watch it over and over and over and discover more and more and more in it. It's a perfect little piece. Do watch it. It's the same I, director I that did so The Wailing. It's he's incredible. Sorry, sorry. Go. No, I need. I haven't thought about it in a long time. I, I definitely want to watch it again. I'm looking. We showed it at my weekly movie night. I'm looking. I just pulled up. This is insane. I have these lists. I saw it November 10th, oh. uh, 2010. Oh wow! <laughs> it came out in 2008. So you were not that late to the game. Yeah, I think yeah. I saw it in 2010 too. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I went through a it's, whole. Uh, it may have been that it got like an American release here on video yeah. or something. Exactly. Know, but yeah. So this is now something that you, something that you want to remake. Well, I would. Uh, I'm oh, always asking about the rights, uh, and they're they're always in the possession of someone else, and that's the case right now. Actually, I was asking again. Now I'm thinking that it would it could also make a good TV series. Um, it, you know, it's a it, Korean movies, uh, especially thrillers, tend to be long, and uh, I'm not I, I'm not a fan of long movies. I'm sorry. I just I I believe movies should be ninety minutes. Well, then you, then you, then you must have trouble. You must have trouble yeah. going to the movies. Every today movie is so every long. Movie is what hours. the hell? I don't understand. I don't I know. Get it. Oh well, but talking about crime movies, we have uh, Anatomy of a Fall, you know, which I really, really enjoy. Which is very long. Long. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little long. It's a little long. It's a little long. But it's not as long as others. We were. We were mm-hmm. I still need to see it. We were sitting down the other night, my wife and I, to watch something, and it was, uh, you know, the, the Academy has the streaming channel where they have all the, the screeners for the mm-hmm. stuff for submission, and it was a little bit late. It's not like we we're going to base our decision on this, but we were like, you know, we got time for like a under two-hour movie, <laughs> and every movie I had marked to watch that we wanted to see was over two hours yeah. and 15 minutes, yeah. and we were just like, oh my you God. You know, it's, it's the thing, because you go to a movie theater, it's yeah, hard it's because you, you know, you have to be sitting there for a really long time, and, but if you're going to do it at home, it's also a killer, because you, you, you are going to start to watch your movies at eight, and it, it's, it's just a massive chunk of your day. It's, um, it's a problem. I, but it's at least true. You can go to the it's bathroom. true. That's true. <laughs> and some it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't. It is true. I mean, obviously. Obviously. I mean, it's, it's, you know, and here's the crazy thing I'm really fascinated by because uh, um, uh, I figure it's safe to admit this. Considering that we're promoting your show, I'm not going to watch your show until I have the whole thing. And we're probably going to do it in two nights. Well, that's a really, I and mean, and that's what it's 10. It's six. It's only six. It's six. Yeah, you can so do it in one day. We're happily, we will happily watch. We might, yeah, we won't do it in one night, but we'll happily watch three or four hours of a great TV show tonight. Uh, but one two and a half hour movie just feels like one thing so that bad. I'm gonna tell you it's right now. If you phenomenon. get to episode yeah. four, uh, yep. you're going to watch five. And it's that those are chances okay. like, uh, like I'm going to I'm going to like there is a chance that you break after four, a chance. But if you watch episode five, I have never ever ever sat with someone that was able to watch five 
and not immediately hit for sex. So I can I can put money down. <laughs> exactly. I've seen it so many times that if yeah. you go to, to episode <laughs> we'll five, that's over. Nights. You have to finish the series. It's over. It's game over. Yeah. Um but um No, we'll definitely do it in two nights. But that said, I think that I think that the the reason it works that way with TV is because it's a choice. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. You, you, I will give you pieces. And it's up to you if you want to stay and watch five hours of it. But also you can stand up. You can, it's your decision to, okay, I'm going to watch one more episode. And right. then you have a choice, right? right? You're watching a movie, yeah. you feel bad yeah. that you're going to stop it. Yeah. And, you know, if you're a good citizen and a good film watcher and a good film lover. So, yeah. and chances yes. are that you are going to interrupt it and watch it in two days if you're watching home. So, and it affects the experience right. of a movie. A series, you can stop and it still come back. It's designed that way. Yeah. A movie is it not does. It's still, that It way. feels a little bit like a, it's, it's, uh, uh, what's the, uh, here, Clint Eastwood in uh, White Hunter Black Heart going, it's a sin to kill an elephant. I'm like, it's a sin to watch a movie in two parts. It is. It is. It is. It feels that yeah, way, right? It is. It is. I, I just, I, I, everybody that uh, sits to watch stuff with me knows that if we sit, we finish. If you fall asleep, right. I will hate you. If you're checking your Instagram, <laughs> you're not my friend anymore. Because if we hate the movie, you know, it's, it's over. And if you hate, if we hate the movie, I believe in the rights of, a, of, of, of an audience, you know? We hate the movie, we can stop. Yep. You can, I'm, I'm perfectly fine. I've, I've left so many, so many shows. Like, you know what? I have better things to do. But if you commit and you're liking it, you're, you are in and you respect that filmmaker. <laughs> you, you respect and you sit yeah. down and you watch every fucking shot. And if you're eating your burger, yeah. which you can, you do it with your eye glues to the, to the screen. Don't look at the burger, look at the screen. Exactly right. <laughs> then we're exactly fine. Right. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly correct. Uh-huh. That's why they have popcorn. Popcorn you can eat without having to look at it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the greatest. Now, are you okay with walking out of movies? Have you done that? Very, very, very much, and done it many, many times. It's harder in theater. Okay. I'm a theater lover. Yeah, me too. I, I never, I never, I never used to. I thought when I was in college, I thought every movie had something good in it. There's always a good shot. There's a good scene. There's a good piece of music. There's a good performance. And and then one day I went to see Swamp Thing, <laughs> and uh, and the the Swamp Thing didn't even fit. <laughs> And I and in the middle of the movie, I, I just turned to the guy I was with and I said, "You know, life is too short." And I, ever since then, never, you never know, had it's, a it's out nobody's there. going to report you to the film police. Nobody will. And um, um, <laughs> and it's true, you know, that if anybody felt that they had the right to tell this story, that's fantastic, and I support that. And I have the right to not finish it, you know. And uh, what I've done only occasionally, and just saying it out loud gives me anxiety. I feel that it's a much, much worse sin. Are you ready? Fast forwarding it. <laughs> That's worse. Oh, yeah. I totally agree. <laughs> That's worse, isn't it? Like, if you're not going to watch That's it, awful. then don't watch it. Then don't watch it. Yeah. But don't edit your own version. Right? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> you have no rights. I just want to see who the killer is. But I've done it. Oh, interesting though. But yeah, yeah. Is it, yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. If you really, if you do, just want to see who the killer is, you've you've bought in enough. Yeah. That you should watch. But I, I read an article age, ages ago. I don't know when I was in my teens about the rights of readers, and it was about books, and it said, mm-hmm. you know, 
you can skip parts of the book. You can. You can. Nobody is going to, nobody knows, nobody is going to hate you. And the example that it gave was Moby Dick. And the truth is, chances are if you try to read every page of Moby Dick, you're not going to finish because there's masses of passages about whaling and the technique, you know, like who... And tying knots. (laughs) So you can skip. And if you can do that with books, why not with movies? It's just, you know, I don't know. But I feel a lot more guilty uh, when I... The the very few times that I've done it, but I have done it, I will say. You fast forward. Yeah, it has uh, happened. Okay. It's true. I can't. I can't remember the last time I did. I, I tend to. Uh, but uh, talking yeah. about there's there's one last one that I thought yeah. when you were saying um, color color noir, forever one of my mm-hmm. favorites is Body Heat. Ah, it's such a good movie, you know, and and it really survives, you know, you know. Uh, you know, and in that same that 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 eighties era of 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 those crime movies, and and William Hart was really good in those. So he did Body Heat with Kim. It was a Kim Basinger, right? I think so. The perfect femme fatale. Kathleen Turner. Kathleen Turner. Kind of Kathleen Turner. Kathleen Turner. Yeah. Yes, of course. And then um, and then he did Gorky Park, which was also really good. I don't know how much how further we would get today playing Russians. Uh, yeah. By by being you know and doing accents, this is still done. It's still done. I think we have like another twenty minutes of of doing that before it's not okay. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> it, it's such a great film, and I had not seen it in a thousand years. And I remember being kind of resistant to it when it had first come out. It felt I don't know. It, it felt it felt a little bit too much like a pastiche to me. I think, and uh, I went back and saw it again decades later and, and I had to give it up because not only did I enjoy it, but I was amazed how many lines I remember. Yeah. I mean, just such great, sharp dialogue. And I feel I had not seen it 25, 30 years. Oh, movies often do improve with age. Yeah. That, yeah. Or, or, or the opposite. You never know what you're going to, you know, movies that you remember so dearly. Yeah. It, it has happened to me recently yeah. with a couple of them that I was like, and I, I have very young friends that, you know, actors I'm working with. And I was like, oh, you haven't seen, so sit down. And then I hit play and it's like, oh, you know, it's not only feels and looks old, but also a lot of the stuff happening there without you being part of the walk uh, mob and the the cancel culture necessarily as rapidly as younger people are. Still you, I mean myself, I go like, oh, we cannot say that. Oh, no. Mm. Oh, 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 we're going to change the movie. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so what do you, what do you think, what do you think, speaking of crime movies, What's Upon a Time in America would look oh like? Oh my today? God. It's such, I mean, it's a masterful movie. I haven't seen it again. It's really long. A, it's really long. It's a, that's I mean, a long movie. You know, I remember that it's when I saw it. It's a very long movie, but it's it, got it's it's a it's a fairly misogynist. It is. It is. No, no. I, I remember two scenes in particular. Be, it would be very difficult today. Yeah. 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 Well, I, played I, for it, laughs. It's very difficult today. And they're played yeah. for laughs. Yeah. Those scenes. It's uh, it's not just it's not the horror of the characters laughing while they're doing horrible things. It's like you're meant to kind of think. I don't remember is, that. I remember yeah, watching they, them as a child, and and being completely shocked. They, they rape Tuesday Weld. Wow. Yeah. No, I do. I do remember that. But yeah, it's kind of played for like, look at these guys. Hey, they're wacky. <laughs> oh, I have to yeah. watch it again. 
but, maybe not. but you know, it's, um, <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, it takes half know. a day to watch. So it's, it's true. Really I remember that it was in three VHS as the first time I saw it, ah, but you know, really that is. was part of the, that you were going to get into the, okay. It's this type of movie, cassette one, cassette two, cassette three, you know, it was, it was a long one, yeah. but, um, I remember I saw it around the time that I saw uh, Clockwork Orange. Very different movies, but uh, but both of them had that absolute disregard of certain type of violence. That and I, I was I don't know thirteen or something like that, and I was like, oh, uh, I needed to process what I had seen. Um, you know, as a really America, really you, could, you couldn't have seen that movie in America because it was rated X. Wow. Yeah, I can see that. I can see why. But yeah, it's an I, interesting it's, compare it's, and contrast because the especially the sexual violence in Clockwork Orange is on the surface even more cartoonish than it is in Once Upon a Time in America. But there's an underlying horror. You're meant to react in horror, horror to the way they treat yeah. it. Whereas in Once Upon a Time in America, it's mm-hmm. not. I'm, I am. Um, it's a weird thing to say. We'll, we'll never do this. But I've also and, and maybe someday we'll live in a culture where we can. But I would love to do like a roundtable. Uh, on the show or something and talk to a bunch of people about, because there's so many differences in the way we handle so many things now, but the way that sexual violence was handled in movies in the seventies, I'm amazed that any of us came out of that era. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, movies yeah, I love, completely you know, true. you have to go, well, yeah, yeah. I'm going to turn this switch off. And it's really. Yeah. That's, that's where I was going with that, that it belongs to a, a period in cinema where those boundaries were blown into pieces and yeah. uh, and it was kind of a point that was being made at that at that moment but um well, i don't it was I a reaction it was a, re- yeah. it was a reaction to the previous yeah. 20 years yeah exactly and i but i don't funnily enough i don't remember and it's not funny actually i don't remember at all uh those scenes in once upon a time in america being played for laughs i i, I was in shock and I thought it was, they were done in the same shocking, horrible way, but I, that deserves a rewatch because, because I don't remember it being non, like not important and on the side. I, I didn't, I must confess, I didn't get the impression that it was intended. Not, not funny, but it's, it's played in a way that it's meant to be. I think that it's sort of like, oh, look at these guys. Look at how the, oh, this is one of the yeah. There's a sort of weird, but, but you know, it's gangsters. Yeah. <laughs> they're gangsters. They're gangsters. Yeah. They're, they're terrible people. But um, this is not one of the worst I, things they do. Even and it's like, Oh yeah, it's pretty awful. That's, but, that's a crazy part. That's a crazy part. I, but I casually watching a blade runner, the, the mm-hmm. original, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. And I didn't remember it at all as a misogynistic movie. And then I was watching it and I was like, oh, this is a problem, <laughs> you know, that, that the way he interacts with her and the subtext that she may be an object mm-hmm. uh, in the movie, but she's, he, or good guy treats her like an object. It's, it's you know, and, and but he may be an object too. Yes, exactly. You know, <laughs> um, but it's, you know, if you, if you watch. Jesus, G- Hilda, you know, the, the, because it's um, uh, Blade Runner is absolutely a noir, a color noir. Oh. And, uh, and, and if you go back and you go, go and look at all those noirs and the way that these broads were slapped around and kissed and then thrown on the side, it's just, right. it's just cool. It is just cool, you know? So, so yeah. Also, you, they had you take, a lot of, also the, the women in those movies had a lot of agency. Yeah. 
I mean, they, yeah. they, were, they, were, they, they were, sometimes they were victimized, but often, sometimes they were actually the, the, the villains. Yeah. The, yeah, there was a certain power in the, in the, the horror fascination of, of the dangerous, yeah. the dangerous yeah. lady. Yeah. That brings you back to body heat. We stay close back to, to body heat. The way that they were kind of weirdly, especially like in the 40s into the 50s, there was that that spate of time, you know, um, uh, Betty Davis, Joan Crawford, where they're actually like, I think sometimes even better roles for women in movies then than than there are today, consistently. And well, I think that's probably true. I mean, look at look at Marie Windsor in The Killing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so, what a what a what a what a character. I mean, yeah. she, she, I don't think that actress ever had a better role. Yeah, yeah. It it was a really fascinating time. Yeah. But that's um that's part of why I think this season of of Night Country is an interesting uh, point of view because that first season I didn't do it on purpose. Uh, I I you know a lot a lot of the interviews that I that I'm doing right now are like oh but that first season was so sexist and so male and uh, and my answer to that is you know it was unapologetically that first season was. A, a deep dive into into male psyche and and fixations and fantasies and it was absolutely shamelessly that it was what it didn't happen casually it, it's a it's a very interesting portrayal of the male psyche and uh, and when I got invited I was like well can we it, it's going to be so exciting to do exactly the same thing from the female side you know but not as yeah. a oh because of because of fairness it has no it's because it's interesting i saw that one and they, it was really well done let's see this one yeah. and um and so mike in in that series and i didn't not until an interview today someone was like so in that series is about two male cops that are trying to crack a case about murdered naked women and yours is about two female detectives that are trying to crack a case about murder male guys who are de- who are uh, naked too. And I was like, yeah, um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, they have no clothes. Funny, <laughs> you know. So, so um, in Iceland, no in Iceland, <laughs> in the out in the in the cold, you know. That was that was complicated to shoot. <laughs> I'm sure. That's great, though. I love that, too. There's a great Tom Stoppard quote, um, which I will mangle because I don't remember it at all verbatim, but it's about the the sort of the tingle he gets when somebody does a kind of deep dive analysis of something you've written and they have found something that you neither intended nor had noticed. And he says, it's like being caught with a pound of cocaine going through customs. You can genuinely say you have no idea how it got there, but you're going but you to jail. <laughs> <laughs> but you have it, you know, it's true. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's so interesting when, when you start talking to the press and to people who, who are experiencing the series on their own and they come back and they say, oh, this is what you did. And you go like, no, yeah, that's what I did. That's exactly what I did. So it's it's fun. It's fun when you, when you catch yourself or someone catches you or something catches it in front yeah. of you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much, right? If, we, if we're going to just wing it with anybody, I'm, I'm glad. It was- <laughs> just, I'm so 
so sorry that I came and I was like, I have no movies. No, no, no. it's fantastic. No, no, no. fantastic. Your personality carries the day. Yeah, no, that <laughs> was great. I, I, it is our big nightmare that somebody will come here and there'll be a guest that we've never met before that we don't know at all. And they're just going to be sitting there going, <laughs> what? No, ask me about my movie. And we're going to be like, oh. <laughs> actually, actually, that happened once. Yeah, well, that's uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, thank you so much. Um, yeah. The, well, we'll, we'll be looking forward to it. Yeah, I think you're okay. going to like it. What, what's what's the date? Uh, next Sunday. Yeah, next Sunday. Exactly. And on the 14th. Yeah. Okay? Okay, great. Yep, yep, yep. Thank and, you, guys. Um, great. Looking forward to it. Thank you so Thanks. much. Good luck on your journey. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. The Movies That Made Me is the official podcast of Trailers From Hell, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. We are proud to be part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Learn more at airwavemedia.com. This is Josh Olson for The Movies That Made Me. Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.